where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure, Bonnie D. in the house. I never remember whether I said the future is this way or that way, so we're just going to go up in the air. I'm so happy to be here today because I got some very exciting news so pleased to my audience around the world, except my thank you, because you helped make this show number six on, let's see, it's Feedspot's 70 Best Technology Podcasts, the podcast you need to listen to in 2023, and this show, Technology Revolution, the Future of Now, ranked number six out of the top 70. I am forever grateful to my hundreds and hundreds of guests. Thank you, guests. They're applauding me. I appreciate that. And thank you to Voice America. I've been on the Voice America Business Channel since 2011, if I can even believe that long. And this show has been gathering steam like a like a snowball rolling down the hill over the years and years and years. And I'm appreciative to all all of you helped bring this show to the attention of the world. We don't do any focused advertising campaigns. We don't do any. It's all organic. It's word of mouth. And I'm very gratified that my, my energy and my format resonates with people around the world. So thank you all to everybody who's part of this. And my new guest today, you're all part of this. You're going to keep me. I want you to help me go to number five. Okay, that's what we're going to do. That's our goal here. So let me get started. We have a very interesting show today. Uh, it's always interesting to me. This is another one in our my recent series on the future of fill in the blank and AI artificial intelligence because it is impacting our life and as you may know I don't do doom and gloom we're not doing political we're not doing oh my god we're all gonna be extinct and everybody's gonna lose their jobs we're not doing that we're talking about positive and so one of my future guests said oh you mean you want me to send you the fluff I said sure let's talk about the fluff but there is a lot of positive and so let's talk about what we're talking about today I checked, I usually start with research on ChatGPT, but today I started with research on a website called Teach Floor, T-E-A-C-H-F-L-O-R. Murray's nodding. I'll introduce my guests in a minute. And they said in the near future, AI systems can disrupt online education. That's our theme today, providing everyone, regardless of age, race, and background, with the opportunity to access knowledge and learn online. AI can help education become smarter, faster, and cheaper. Yay! It's already happening and we can expect it to grow exponentially. And I just saw a report yesterday, Sal Khan, the founder and CEO of Khan Academy, said we're at the cusp of using AI for probably the biggest positive transformation that education has ever seen. And of course, I went to ChatGPT and I said, well, tell me about the future of online instruction and AI. And it said, we're going to see MOOCs, M-O-O-C, all capitals, MOOCs, a expand, grow. MOOCs deliver high quality educational content to large numbers of students around the world, and it's usually free or low cost. We're going to see personalized learning and adaptive learning technologies, blended models, that's face-to-face -face and online education, VR and AR, virtual reality, augmented reality, micro-learning and bite-sized content, lifelong learning, and continuous upskilling, which means people won't have to be out of jobs. They can keep learning. So then I said to ChatGPT, I would love to have a couple of movie quotes about learning. And get this, I got one from Coach Herman Boone, played by Denzel Washington. The movie, Remember the Titans, 2000. Here's the quote. What we learn with pleasure, 
we never forget. I like that. And I have a quote from Mimi Smith, played by Kristen Scott Thomas. The movie was Nowhere Boy, 2009. I haven't seen that. The best teachers are those who show you where to look, but don't tell you what to see. Julie liked that one. Then I have one from, oh, Jack Black paying, playing substitute band teacher Dewey Finn, of course, School of Rock, 2003. Was it 20 years ago? He said, <laughs> you can't put a price on good education. And the final quote was Phil Coulson, played by Clark Gregg. I like him. He was in the Avengers, Age of Ultron, 2015. That's eight years ago. And get this. The quote is, with the internet, we can continue our education every single day in every conceivable way. So I have a wonderful panel here. I want you to just wave and smile when I call you. There's another redhead on the panel. I'm really upset. No, actually, she's fuchsia and I'm not. Her name is Mary Nunley. Mary, wave hello. There's Mary. And then we have Murray Johansson. Murray, say hi. And then we have Julie Ryan. Hello, Julie. How are you? And we have Dr. Anne de Cluet. And she said, just clue it, do it, just like do it. So I think I got that one right in. And I want to say thank you to Rebecca Cuevas for introducing me to now M&M. That's Mary Nunley and Murray Johansson. And to Mary Nunley for introducing me to Julie Ryan. And to Anne DeCluet for being introduced to me by her sister, Lenore Horton, who's been on my show twice on different topics, attorneys and AI. Bonnie D in the house, happy to be here. Let's get started. We need introductions. We need to know who you are. Why are you here? What's your passion for online education and the role of AI? You got three minutes, Mary Nunley. Regale us. I'm putting you on speaker view. Go ahead, Mary. Oh, wow. Okay. So thank you so much, Bonnie. And I'm so excited that you are number six. So for those of you who haven't run across me on the internet, I'm Mary Nunley. I'm the co-founder of the Lavender Dragon team. We are an instructional design company. Um, instructional design is all around course creation. And I have been fascinated by online learning for years. In a former career, I was a assistant professor at a community college and the campus instructional designer. I did my master's in online education back when online was just becoming a thing. So my first my, ma my master's project, I hand-coded in HTML. Um, and it was a course on restaurant sanitation. So I've been playing with the internet and the web and online education for years, helped our college transition from distance learning when it was all videotape based to online, been through some you know, transitions in learning management systems, and now we work with clients to help create the most engaging interactive online courses that they can, whether it's a company or an individual who's trying to build a course creation business. Um, my interest, though, my dad was always into computers, and back as early as fifth grade, and I'm kind of another older one, we read Future Shock in fifth grade by Alvin Toffler. And so since that time, along with reading Asimov as a young girl, because I'm a big sci-fi nerd, the whole thing about robots and AI has filled my life even before it was a thing. And I'm currently reading a book called Dogs of War by Jonathan Mayberry that was written in 2017 that talks about how AI can go rogue. And so some of the ethics and things you need to look forward to, even though it's a novel. So I'm always looking for those trends and what's next. Um, so I'm excited to be here. Mary, I'm excited to have you here. Um, it's one thing when I receive my guest bios in email, I use a jot for them, but you all bring them, you bring yourselves to life when you introduce yourselves. Mary, we've got to get this picture of you today into your new bio photo. You are just 
alive with purple and fuchsia. We have to tell the world. We really do. Mary, I'm just delighted to have you. And thank you for the Mary Nunley reading list. I haven't had a guest give a reading list like that in a long time. So we appreciate that. All of you, you young uns who are listening to her, just make a note. Those are some classics, I think. Thank you, Mary. Murray Johansson, you're next. Can't wait to hear from you, Murray. Who are you? Why are you here? What's your passion for the topic? And welcome. Yeah, well, it's great to be here, everyone. Uh, you might say uh, my passion point is learning, and I started a course uh, live, and I'll pretty much do everything uh, online, actually. Um, and I think that uh, one of the things that I try to do is uh, stay out of the zombie zone, which I refer to the undead walking uh, who don't learn anymore. And so uh, the second thing that I always think that we have to do better, uh, myself and everyone, is we need to learn how to learn better. I mean, if we think about it, our machines are growing exponentially. And how quickly is our intelligence growing? And we might actually say, well, it isn't growing at all, which is a kind of a very humbling thought. Um, I wanted to uh, start out with and just say, you know, in terms of uh, what I think uh, we really need to do is um, success, in my view, in this century depends on our ability to adapt. And this actually comes out of Charles Darwin, the theory of evolution. Mm -hmm. It's not how many offspring we have. It's the ability of a species to adapt to changes in the environment, which is ultimately why it is prospering. And so for the apex predator, this applies to us as well as our species and to us as individuals. And so uh, I've been focusing on certain skills that, um, in my view, the business schools and sometimes the universities don't do very well. And you can kind of see them in the background there. Uh, I'll go through them really quick. Leadership. The third one uh, on the right, on my right, is a digital entrepreneur. And the one that you can't see very well, which I'm <laughs> going to move on, is something I refer to as skill mastery. And if you ever, if you think, if you wonder what the background is, it's um, a Korean fan dance. It was the most beautiful, beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. The precision, the perfection. Clearly, these ladies had mastered the art of dance. And so few of us actually do that in the world today. We actually don't think about mastering what we're doing. So... Really quick, why leadership? Well, leadership is timeless. It's a 21st century skill. We're going to need leaders the same way we've always needed them in the past. And if you think about it, the Epic of Gilgamesh, the very first written thing that we have as a species was a story about a hero, a hero. Um, and all the great movies in the summertime, the ones that make over a billion dollars, these are stories of leaders stories of heroes and heroines. So I think leadership is important. I don't think it's being taught. The theory is the skills aren't, and that's a big, big difference. Murray, can this be accomplished through online education and AI? Yes or no answer, please. Yes. Oh, good. Okay. That's why you're here. And your, your point was very well taken. Are we learning? Are we humans still learning? AI is learning. Machine learning is learning. Teaching computers and robots to learn from each other and from themselves. But are we still learning? Very, very good point. Murray, thank you for the summary of what you do. You. I appreciate it very, very much to the point. Let's go to our next panelist. We have Julie Ryan, the one name I could easily pronounce on the whole panel. Julie, thank you for that. Julie, 
Julie, let's hear about you. Why are you here? What's your relationship to online education and AI? Talk to me. Thanks, Bonnie. Glad to be here and glad to be able to provide you with a simple name. <laughs> Didn't have much, much choice in it, but there it is. Uh, so I am co-founder and chief learning officer at Altaclaro, which is a company that uh, we develop online experiential learning for lawyers, um, which almost sounds oxymoron, right? But it's, um, it's, it's something that we, I started in 2017 with my co-founder um, in the firm belief that, that, you know, it came out of the belief of, you know, we graduated from law school not knowing how to do anything. We're not teaching lawyers the skills that they need, the, the ability to communication and to, and to solve problems uh, in a way that's engaging and that they actually walk away knowing how to do something, how to, how to practice. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the premise that we founded Alta Claro on. Mary, uh, you know, I met Mary because she recently, her company actually just helped us create one of our latest courses on uh, prompt engineering. Uh, so very much involved learning a lot. Uh, talk about adaptability, Murray. That's, that's, that's what I feel like I do every day is just adapting to new information and technology. Um, I'm a lawyer by training. My passion has always been teaching. It's that light bulb moment, right? When you can see that you're actually getting through to someone. And, and to me, that's about communication, right? It's not explaining something in a way that you understand it. It's, it's explaining it in a way that it's understood and learned by the person that you are teaching. And so how do you do that, especially online, right? And so that's, that's the challenge. That's where the adaptability comes in. I've created my first online course in 2014. I taught at University of Southern California for about 10 years before that and uh, finally got into the, into the 21st century and we created an online course. And at first I was trepidatious, right? How am I going to get that engagement online that I get in the classroom? And it blew my mind. There's so much more potential for engaging and for learning through this, through, through online. And now with, you know, and the same thing with, uh, with um, you know, AI. My first thought six months ago was, uh-oh, how am I gonna, how am I gonna integrate this into what we're doing? And the key is to adapt and, and to focus on the strengths, right? It's, if it's a catalyst, take advantage of that catalyst and move forward with it. Um, and so uh, it's, it's just, amazing that just even creating this course on prompt engineering the things i was able to learn about you know to learn myself right and that's the best way to learn is by teaching so uh passionate about teaching communication um and and seeing what technology can do for you to help you improve absolutely thank you very very much julie pleasure to meet you and i'm glad that you are a course creator online uh, Anne is going to speak in a moment, but Anne's sister, Lenore Horton, is an attorney, and she was on recently on the future of attorneys and AI. That was an interesting topic. And then we did one with a set of attorneys a couple weeks ago on the future of employee workplace rights and AI. And I did one a few weeks before that on the future of HR and AI, talking about, well... If HR had the job description written by ChatGPT, how accurate was it really? Was that what the job was? And what about the applicants who use AI to write their resumes? Who is telling the truth? So interesting, very interesting. Thank you for bringing all those little threads in for me there. No, no, uh, no coincidence with the word threads. I didn't join yet, so let's leave it there. And a clue, <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about. Murray's not sure. Uh, yes, you do, Murray, you know. And a clue, so happy to have you here. Your sister, Lenora, said, 
I think Anne would be great for this show. So prove it. Anne, I'm only teasing. Anne, <laughs> welcome. welcome. We're delighted to have you. Tell us who you are and what's your passion. Why are you here? Go ahead, Anne. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Anne DeCluet. Last name rhymes with just do it. And that happens to be my personal motto. Um, I have spent my career um, going back and forth between Fortune 500 companies as well as um, in education. And so um, that has provided me with a lot of perspective in terms of online education. So um, I started in the learning and development space uh, doing corporate training uh, back in the 90s uh, with Texas Instruments, and it was mostly instructor-led. And so fast forward uh, 20 years or so or something like that, 2018 um, to 2020, when I was with uh, MGM uh, Resorts International, um, as their uh, training and development um, lead and, um, and change management lead. And so, boy, had training and development and learning and development in the corporate space really changed over that time. And so um, it's been really exciting to see that, that difference and that transformation and the use of technology um, in that. Right now, I'm in the academic space, and so I do uh, a lot of online learning. In fact, all of my classes um, recently have been online because that's students' preference. Um, and so, you know, I've got a lot of experience, not only in terms of teaching, but um, some of my own development has been online as well, um, whether it is professional development or whether it was a deep degree seeker. And so I have a deep knowledge of what it could be, uh, what it has been, and um, some uh, lots and lots of thoughts about what it could be. Thank you. Your sister Lenore is already very proud of you, Anne. Don't worry about it. <laughs> she said, don't mention my sister. I have to because she, she brought you to us. So thank you. I'm impressed, very impressed with the four of you, with your backgrounds and with your interest in the topic. I'm thinking back to, we're talking about the, the technologies that make things better, right, Julie, and that make things, make us have the opportunities to learn in different ways and learn together, if you will, if not just 20 kids sitting in a classroom. And I'm thinking that I was telling all of you before we went live today that I was doing this radio show for years just over the phone. And I never saw the people. All I had was a little bio picture, a little PR photo. And then when Zoom became feasible to me and the radio station, Voice America said, yes, we'll have an engineer come in and do the audio through the Zoom platform. I had the delight of being able to see so I can watch Murray think. He's thinking right now. I can thinking see, I at can, all, yeah. I, he, he is, he is. I can tell that. And, and Mary is saying, yeah, Fuchsia, my hair is coming out great with my background. And Anne is saying, my sister is proud. And Julie's saying, I think I gave a great bye. I'm teasing all of you. I love you, all of you. But I get to watch you think, and I get to watch you move. And some people talk with their hands. I try not to. So anyway, yes. Um, and, and I'm also thinking that webinars have been around for a while, video webinars, right? Visual webinars. Isn't that possibly under the banner of online instruction mm -hmm. where you get people talking in, in a lecture type of a thing, or I want to tell you about XYZ and they have slides or they're just speaking to some prompts. I, I'm just thinking there's an awful lot there of the, the genesis of what we're talking about today, but we really want to focus on modern online instruction. So thank you all for your bios. Let's go to the opening quotes. I've asked each of you to send me a quote from a fictional character in a movie or a TV show or a song lyric. And you're going to tell us very briefly, keep it to two to three minutes. I want to get to the prediction soon, what this has to do with our topic. So Mary Nunley, 
with the A that doesn't get pronounced. I'm not going to forget that, Mary. Thank you. <laughs> She's got a quote from the 10th, T-E-N-T-H, spelled out doctor, played by David Tennant. The movie, Doctor Who, British sci-fi. I'm sorry, it's a TV series. Series 4, Episode 8, anybody who's keeping track. And the episode was called Silence in the Library. I hope I did that well, Mary. It aired on BBC One on May 31st, 2008. That's a while ago. And I just want to read the scene. May I read that, Mary? Is that okay? Of course. I found the scene. So Sir Robert, played by Derek Riddell, or Riddle, says... Nevertheless, that creature creature won't give up, Doctor, and we still don't possess an actual weapon. And the 10th Doctor, David Tennant, says, Oh, your dad got all the brains, didn't he? And Rose Tyler, played by the lovely Billy Piper, says, Being rude again? And the 10th Doctor says the quote that Mary picked. Good, I meant that one. You want weapons? We're in a library. Books. The best weapons in the world. This room's the greatest arsenal we could have. Arm yourselves. Mary, how'd I do? Excellent. Oh, Excellent. thank you. And for those of you who are not Whovians, the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who is this fall. So it's been on for 60 years, since 1963 in some shape or form. <laughs> wow. Tell us how this relates to our topic as if we couldn't tell, but go ahead anyway. Yeah, so... The whole thing about books in a library and, you know, depending on where you live in a rural area or an urban or suburban, you may or may not have access to a physical library or have it readily accessible. But now with the Internet and the technology that we have available with smartphones, you literally have access to some of the best libraries in the world right in the palm of your hand. And so to me, that's how it relates to online education, because with with the advent of AI and digital resources, Library of Congress, all of that, you can look up just about anything you want and read just about any book you want for almost no cost. So to me, that's the way we're going to move forward. That's the way we're going to learn. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And I used to, I still do a Monday night radio show called Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives. And many of my guests are authors. And for years, they sent me hard copy books because that's all they had. And then the advent of ebooks and PDF, portable data format, became very popular. And I started saying, please don't send me any hard copy. As much as I love the feel of the paper and the texture and touching the cover and seeing what kind of, what kind of material they used and whether it was coated stock or whatever. So when I moved from New York to North Carolina in 2017, I had probably a thousand books because it was against my let's just say religion, being a broad term, to throw out a book unless it was hideously bad. And there were a couple that were beyond beyond repair. So I said to a friend, help me get rid of the books. Well, he's a tennis player, plays in the public courts in Queens, New York. So we piled hundreds of books into the trunk of his car and he went to the tennis courts. He opened the trunk and he said, free books. <laughs> and they came, build it and he will come. And so will she. And he got rid of the books for me. And they, they found a home somewhere. So there you go. Murray Johansson, I'm going to your quote. You picked a quote from Morpheus, played by the one and only Lawrence Fishburne. Of course, The Matrix Reloaded, 2003 sci-fi action film written and directed by the Wachowskis. This is the sequel to The Matrix from 1999 and the second installment in the film series starring Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, and Gloria Foster, and Jada Pinkett Smith joined the cast. This is six months after the events of the Matrix, Neo and Trinity are romantically involved. I'm just going to stop there. Here is the quote Murray has picked. There are some things in the world, Captain Niobe, that will never change. And some things do change. Murray, talk to me. What does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. 
Yeah, I actually kind of shorthanded it to some things change and some things don't. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is kind of like a really essential principle of understanding how to succeed in life and how to succeed in business or how to succeed in a career. One has to know what has to change and one has to know what one shouldn't change. And so we can fall in love with technology and then fundamentally ask or forget to ask the question, are we really learning? Or is this really helping us to learn better and faster and more efficiently? So on and so forth. Uh, because otherwise we're just putting like new wine into an old wine skin. I, I love that quote. I'm not sure what it means, but it just sounds so cool, right? Uh, pull something from the Bible like that. Um, and uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, like Silicon Valley is oriented to disruption. You remember, I remember a picture with Mark Zuckerberg and behind him was this big, huge sign that said, disrupt something. <laughs> and uh, I thought about that for a while. I said, well, it's okay, but it's not very wise because you have to know what to keep and you have to know what you need to change. And so as we transition into online learning, which I believe is a better technology and hopefully will be a better platform for learning as well very nicely done mr joe hansen that was lovely very very nice the way you related that yes the question is what do we get rid of the phrase used to be don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. I think it's probably very un-PC of me to say that but I did preface it it's an old saying so the question is what do we want to keep and, and I think some of the quotes I read in the beginning of the show go with what we want to keep, which is, let me just scroll back in my notes here. Uh, what we learn with pleasure, we never forget. That was from Remember the Titans. Then the one from Nowhere Boy, the best teachers are those who show you where to look, but don't tell you what to see. Ah, critical thinking, learning. You can't put a price on good education, and we can continue our education every day in every conceivable way. I think those are all on that theme. Murray, thank you very, very much. I appreciate that. And let's go to Julie Ryan. And Julie, oh, these little five-word quotes, these are real zingers here. Julie picked a very famous quote from a famous movie. It's The Black Knight, played by John Cleese. Well, you all know what's coming. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, 1975 British comedy film satirizing the Arthurian legend, if you're too young to know about this. The Black Knight is a fictional knight dressed in black. Based on The Black Knight of Arthurian legend, he guards a bridge, in quotes, over a small stream. You can imagine how big the bridge wasn't. Although supremely skilled in swordplay, the Black Knight suffers from unchecked overconfidence. Oh, I like that. And a staunch refusal ever to give up. It is a little bit of a gory scene, but it's very, very interesting. In the U.S., this movie was selected, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It grossed more than any British film in the U.S. in 1975. In the U.S., it was selected in 2011 as the second best comedy of all time in the ABC special Best in Film, The Greatest Movies of Our Time, Behind Airplane. Let's leave it there. Here's the quote. You have to explain this one to our topic, Julie. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> oh, it was a gory scene. Go ahead, Julie, rescue me here. So I chose this quote for a couple of reasons. One, I grew up in England. And so he said, it's just a flesh wound <laughs> is how he pronounced it. Um, uh, I am a big fan of uh, uh, speaking concisely and using as few words as possible. So I love the, I love the short quote. Um, and I chose it as a metaphor. Right. So what act and I need to give a little bit of context so you understand mm -hmm. the metaphor. So it's just a flesh wound. The guy actually chopped off his arm. <laughs> and so the arm has been amputated and he says it's just a flesh wound. 
um, which is very much the kind of, you know, the English, uh, don't, you know, keep calm and carry on type attitude. But it's a metaphor for, you know, on the one hand, yes, AI is a game changer, or is it? Don't panic, but don't ignore it, right? So you can view it either way. It's just a flesh wound. Don't worry about it. Well, you kind of want to worry about it, but but it's okay. Um, and so that's that's how I that's how I saw the the quote. So you know, it's it's a catalyst, right? Will it disrupt education? I think I think Bonnie, you mentioned that um, maybe. Uh, you know, but it, it's kind of what you make out of it as well. What do we do with it is is what really counts. Um, and so, you know, you can you can bandage it up. You can take advantage of of having the flesh wound and doing something else with it. Um, and then to Murray's point, it's not about technology for technology's sake, but it's how can you use it to augment what you're already doing without losing sight of the goals, you know, the, the goals in, in what you're doing. Um, and so really, it's just that kind of don't panic. Um, just a flesh wound, but let's, let's, you know, you can't ignore it. So let's move on. Let's move on and, and make the best of it and, and play to the strengths. Nice segue from disruption to flesh wound, Julie. Very, very <laughs> well done. And what comes to mind to me is, will we keep the idea of earning a degree? Will we keep that? If you don't have to physically go to a brick and mortar college that costs a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars and you get online instruction and you're brilliant and you work with brilliant teachers and you learn everything you should and could what happens to that degree it's a whole different topic i don't want i just it just poked into my mind just now if we learn online the ways we learn best and we learn enough and more what will we say that qualifies us for what those degrees now are the gatekeepers, if you will. Yeah. I'm trying to be poetic here. Let's go on. And, and by the way, Mary, I've picked one of your predictions for after we're done with Anne's quote, and I will ask you to unpack that and we'll get comments around the table. That's how it's going to work. And I love this quote. You picked a quote from Captain John Luke Picard, played by Patrick Stewart. Star Trek Picard, Broken Pieces, American TV series 2020 to 2023 for the streaming service Paramount Plus. I think it used to be CBS Extra. Season one, episode eight. Oh my goodness, it aired on March 12, 2020. Uh, let's see, let's see. Pa Patrick Stewart, Stewart reprises his role from Picard Star Trek, The Next Generation, blah, blah, blah. Um, here's the scene. With Soji safe from Romulan harm for the time being, Star Trek's Picard heroes set about deciphering the mystery of the anti-synthetic, I said that clearly, anti-synthetic conspiracy in broken pieces. I'm going to stop there because I'm getting in trouble here, Anne, and I want you to tell us what this quote means. The quote is, we have powerful tools openness, optimism, and the spirit of curiosity. Oh, I love that word. Anne, take it away. What have we got here? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, first, I, I just can't help but point out that um, Star Trek franchise includes a character who is a synthetic life form that utilizes AI. So very appropriate for this um, this topic here. And so, but back to the, the quote from uh, Captain Picard. And so um, it's about a conversation with Rios um, about a very unfortunate outcome to a betrayal. And so, um, so, you know, Captain Picard is known for giving these speeches that are very motivational and inspirational. And so he, I, I want to unpack it kind of backwards a little bit, the spirit of curiosity. So uh, participants, students, organizations, um, and basically the general public are all greatly inter interested in this 
topic of, uh, in this new technology. And so it's really up to us to take this opportunity and guide these different constituencies towards responsible use. Um, and then let's jump to openness. Um, there's three, at least three different ways that I can look at it, but I'll just pare it down to three. Openness in terms of transparency of use, in terms of how and where it was used. Um, openness in terms of new ways of working. This is disrupting just about anything you can think of. And so it's this very transformative nature that will um, you know, impact just about every industry. And then lastly, I can think of, well, there's many more, but thirdly, I can think of the possibilities of where this technology may take us individually and collectively. And so um, that leads us to this great optimism about the solutions that AI may have um, in organizations and opportunities such as, you know, um, uh, you know prompting engineering. Um, so all of these different opportunities that people can, individuals can get from that. Thank you very much, Anne. Very, very, very appropriate. And I want to thank the four of you for doing the, making the effort to find really, really interesting quotes from good movies and TV shows. We didn't have any song quotes today, but that's fine. Uh, the one I love the best is from the Beatles. All you need is love. Doesn't that apply to any of our topics? Or, yeah, you just love what you do. Everything will be fine. Sure. Thank you. Let's go to the part of the show where we cover the predictions you each generously put together for me. You each sent me four, and I'm going to pick one from each of you. Here's what will happen. Mary Nunnally with the A that doesn't get pronounced. Don't be mad at me, Mary. I just like that. I'm just trying to be authentic here. Maybe I'm not. I have picked uh, your prediction number three. I'm going to read it. You don't have to go find it. I'm going to read it, and I would like you to take just three minutes to unpack it. Then, if Julie, Murray, and or Anne have any comments on it, I'll give you one minute to, and you can agree or disagree with Mary, but here's the deal. If you want to speak, however many fingers you have on your hand, most of them are the polite fingers. You can just wiggle one of your little polite fingers. If you do the mean finger, I'm not going to call on you. Okay, Murray, behave yourself. So <laughs> I want so wiggle one. If you don't wiggle, I'm not going to say, Anne, what do you think? I won't call on you if you don't wiggle your finger. So it's optional. And then I will pick one from you, Murray. I'll put it in the chat privately to you while we're doing this. And then we'll do yours. And then one from Julie and one from Anne. Let's see what we can cover. So Mary said the following. Change from primarily video content to more interactive content. That's the prediction. While video can be an effective delivery modality, humans want to become more engaged with the content they consume whether through game-based learning, love to hear about that, interactive messaging or combination, the days of passively watching videos are passing. Mary, very profound. Go ahead, unpack it, please. Sure. So when I first started in the online space, and I still see it a lot in the online business entrepreneur space, is you can go out and just get your smartphone and shoot two, three, four, five hours worth of video, put it up there and call it a course. And when I first started working with faculty too in the early days of online, that was that was a challenge as well because so many of them went, oh, well, I can do my lecture in the classroom. Why can't you just record my lecture and put it online? The reality of it was nobody's watching it. Um, for better or for worse, our attention spans are shorter in some instances. 
Um, I can sit down and read a book for hours and, and not even realize the time is going by, but I'm not going to sit and watch a video of somebody just talking at me for an hour. And so when I talk about how it's changing and people want things that are more interactive, engaging, even a game. So you, maybe you have that video and you break it into smaller chunks and you turn it into an interactive scavenger hunt. So thinking about in the corporate space or even in, in education, you want the learners to get some skills. So now take that video and make it a scavenger hunt and have them go and find something and do something. So thinking about like the prompt engineering course that we had just recently created, maybe part of it is you create this video with a little scavenger hunt and you hide prompts throughout the lessons or in the videos and then they have to collect clues and put it all together to get an end result. Or depending on what software you're using, you can have more interactive lessons. So you have a video that stops and then a question pops up and you have to answer it. Um, there are some really great tools out in the market right now to just help make that more engaging. And when you think about who the audience is, different people are going to have different needs. So you also want to address having a written transcript, making sure your content is accessible. But again, how engaged are you getting the audience? Are you pausing to ask questions? Are you giving them opportunities to take an action? And so our, our group recommends five to seven minutes of video max, followed by some type of activity, engagement, thought question, and we're finding better results that way. I like that very much. Anybody? I, I'm going to go to gallery view here. Oh, Julie Ryan. I see that. Now. Oh, Murray is next. Okay, go ahead, Julie. You're first. One minute. You knew I'd One have. Minute. You knew I'd have a comment, Mary. Yeah. So I want to both agree and and kind of qualify something that you said. So I I agree. You can't. You know, as you as you evolve for new technology. So for example, moving education online and then going to AI. You can't just take what you used to do and plug it in. It doesn't work. You have to adapt it. Right. So just taking. A recorded lecture and putting it online is is not helpful, and that's what start you know at the start of the pandemic. That's what a lot of people were doing. It wasn't working, um, and so I love I love obviously I love Mary's ideas and the ways to kind of make make these these things more engaging for an online audience and to use AI and technology. Um, as long as as long as you don't detract from the learning, so I'm a firm believer in not using technology for technology's sake, mm -hmm. but have a, a conscious, deliberate reason as to why it's going to augment the learning process. Um, you know, you can't see when you're losing someone's attention when they're viewing a video asynchronously. So the way you do that, I agree, is with having these little kind of, uh, you know, knowledge checks or, 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 you know, gamified options where you say, are you paying, are you still paying attention? Are you still there? So I totally agree with that, but just, you know, use it deliberately. Thank you. Murray, I want to get your comment. One minute, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I really like what you're saying as well. I think the idea is we want to try to capture their attention. And again, kind of another term for engagement. Um, I run experiments actually with my students, you know, and I say, okay, we're going to watch a 10 minute TED video. And, you know, TED videos are pretty well done. I mean, they're really pretty interesting for the most part. And then um, I didn't prompt them. And then I would go back and I'd say, okay, what did you take away from this 10 minute video? And, you know, I swear to God, half the class was brain dead. They were mindless. I mean, they literally didn't focus at all. They didn't memorize anything at all and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So that 10 minutes of uh, wisdom, so to speak, was not captured in long-term memory. So uh, at one level, we have quite a challenge, you know, because we've all been kind of trained to go brain dead when the screen is on because that's the way we grew up with uh, 
television. You know that, Bonnie, right? (laughs) (laughs) I binge French detective shows and have to watch, Murray, because my French isn't what it used to be, and I have to watch the English subtitles. So if I fall asleep, I I go back and rewind to the screen where I stop. So very, very active, very active. And did I see you wiggle a finger there? Oh, you did. Unmute yourself, dear. Go ahead. I guess I absolutely love that um, idea of having some uh, little bites and clues and nuggets um, in there because engagement is key. Um, students won't learn if they aren't engaged. And so one of the things, uh, the epiphanies I had um, while Mary was talking was, is that um, it'd be wonderful. I think AI can help us in this regard because we're all trying to personalize that learning pathway um, is, is that even with that same video, AI can help you generate different clues um, so that, uh, but they all can come to the same kind of conclusion. And that gives uh, the, the learners a, a great opportunity to debrief um, what they learn. And so um, I'm a big fan of chopping things up so that they aren't just sitting there. So they could watch this video, they could get these these clues, they can kind of come to different conclusions and then they can de- debrief um, you and their other classmates or their other participants so that um, we can really have a very engaging and personalized experience. Thank you very much. Mary, good jumping off point from that. Mary, I need one thing from you. Would you please, for the audience, define prompt engineer? You've used it a couple of times. Murray had it as one of his predictions, but because Mary brought it up, I'm not going to ask Murray to. So Mary, just a quick one-line definition. What is a prompt engineer? So prompt engineer or prompt engineering is crafting the text or the commands that you want AI to use to generate an answer. Thank you. And I've noticed in my own chat GPT research for my radio shows, if I say, please, I get a different answer. And some of my, I've told that to some of my guests. I also noticed that one day I asked for fictional quotes about a certain topic from movies and AI, chat GPT AI went and made up the quotes in real movies and I, I look them up. I go and look at what's the name of the actor and I'll say, well, well, but this, who said it? And they'll say, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I hope I didn't inconvenience you. Uh, I hope there was no misunderstanding. That wasn't a real quote. Or I'll say, did this actor say that? And ChatGPT will come back and say, no, that line was never spoken in that movie. So I'll rephrase it and ask the question again. They'll say, I'm sorry again for the confusion. Yes, that line was said in the first 15 minutes of the movie and here's the actor who said it. So. It's not sentient, but it's sure acting a little bit like it had a couple of two martinis before it. Yeah, I know. Anne, you want to say something? Well, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it interesting that something that has been accused by some of, you know, it'll be the end of humanity um, might actually help us communicate better and be more polite? I think so. I think so. (laughs) Julie, you want to say something about the please? Yeah, I just, well, I, it matters. It actually matters. And when we were creating this prompt engineering course, that's, remember, it's about communication is in the, is in the eyes of the, the receiver. You, you said fictional, it gave you fictional. You yes. didn't mean fictional in that way. And so being really careful with word choice, it's yes. true. It's going to help us communicate more effectively. 
I have had to refine that many times. Let's yeah. go to thank you all. Mary, thanks for the good start there. Murray Johansson, prediction number two. I like this. You say AR, VR, and AI, that's our, well, you'll tell what it all is, will rapidly come of age and will be quickly incorporated into online learning. This was recently demonstrated in the many applications Apple shared on June 5th, 2023 at the Worldwide Developer Conference. In fact, the company spent nearly an hour demonstrating the u- utility of its Vision Pro headset. I have one of the older generations of headsets, which is still way too heavy and clunky, and it's been sitting on my desk fully charged for about eight months now, and it may never see the light of day. But anyway, so much for waterfalls and meditation. Murray, why don't you talk to us about AR, VR, and AI, augmented reality, virtual reality. Go ahead. Two minutes, three minutes. Go. Sure. Um, I don't know how many of you actually uh, saw the uh, one-hour presentation that Apple made. To me, it was uh, very significant. To me, it was as significant as Steve Jobs introducing the iPhone. And if uh, some of you may have remember the presentation, it was masterful, masterful. Um, and uh, it fascinated me because what they had done is they had taken an, uh, the ability to make an engaging environment um, and augmented that with uh, technology applications. Again, a lot of these were oriented towards desktop applications we currently use, but um, we can definitely adapt these into online learning. Um, and at the end of it, I remember my wife told me, said, we are going to get one. It wasn't like we should have one. We are going to get one. And I thought about this for a moment. And I suddenly realized, you know, our young uh, are different than people <clears throat> our age, Bonnie, who grew <laughs> up in text, right? Our young don't like to read text. I will be brutally honest with you. They don't like it. Um, and they like to see pictures and they like to see visuals. And they like to see text integrated into visuals and so on and so forth. And to me, this is one of the problems, of course, with the universities, where universities are still mostly text-based and uh, the kids are Instagram-based. There's a very fundamental difference in terms of how they experience. So to me, this uh, technology, AR, VR, uh, will be something the kids gravitate to. And that will give, in my view, an edge to online learning, even more than what we're seeing today, because it's a beautiful environment. I mean, it's beautiful. It's lovely. I mean, oh, my God, I was just enchanted. I don't get enchanted very often, except when I look at mid-journey uh, pictures. But, you know, I mean, seriously. Yeah, it, it is enchanting. There is so it much. Was. I have, it was beautiful. I, you know? I have gone swimming with the turtles, if you can imagine that, in, in a, a visual, a virtual reality of, of turtles of different sizes in the you were you're there under the water with them watching them hide behind the rocks and the coral and and uh, done a a balloon ride over the alps and over lake lausanne in switzerland and watching the beautiful crystal clear lake and you go anywhere it is lovely murray now and, i'm going to you're using to... your hands you know to do certain Absolutely. things and you can manipulate the images and turn them around and do murray it. You, all right i'll i'll put the headset on today and go back there <laughs> anybody... I, I, I converted uh, a new person to an there, well i've had it for about two years now and i like to play virtual chess as well you can oh uh, checkers you can play checkers with people virtually where you're hovering over the game table and you move and then if you, it shows the stacks of the chips you collect it was very interesting anybody have any comments on what murray said 
Because maybe okay. just one more thing, and the other yeah, one is because you asked me about will AI actually enhance the ability to learn skills, and I think this is a really critical question. My view is it will because AIs can be used for tutoring. Uh huh. And, and to me, this is fundamentally necessary if you're going to have people practice. You know, they need to get feedback. And mm -hmm. if you have 20 people in the class, 40 people in the class, as many of us instructors do, very hard to give individual feedback, but an AI can do that. So Thank I think very much. a huge opportunity good, there. Too good point. And, and that goes to the whole question of interactivity and feeling engaged and staying involved and paying attention and staying paying awake. <laughs> Mary, you wanted to say something briefly? Go ahead. So I'm going to be the counterpoint to the AR VR. Um, I think there is application, but it's further down the road. We're not there yet because of the expense involved in implementing it in the workplace or implementing it in the schools. And then also AI is coming around and making it a little bit easier to develop. But as a team that's tried to develop some AR VR stuff for clients, the costs right now are still pretty astronomical unless you are a humongous organization like an Apple or, or something mm -hmm. like that. And so I think the potential is there, but I still think we're a few years away. Thank you very much. I want to move on. I want to make sure we get one prediction from Julie and one from Anne. So let's move quickly through this. Julie, I'm picking prediction number three. I put it in the chat for you. You say online education will foster collaborative learning and social interaction among students. Virtual classrooms, discussion forums, project-based learning platforms will enable students from different geographical locations to collaborate, exchange ideas, and learn from diverse perspectives, creating a rich and inclusive learning environment. Julie, I hate to do this, but just take two minutes for this because I want to move. We, we don't have much time. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. And so, you know, we talk about how, you know, you mentioned the iPhone and, and the, the concern with getting to students and how they learn and they don't, you know, they learn differently. My big fear moving to originally to online education was we're going to lose that social interaction. We're feeding into this, this desire to not be face to face with people, but it had the opposite effect, right? And you see this and you see this even with, with using AI now, it's, it, it enhances and encourages students to communicate because that's the medium they're comfortable communicating in. And so, and you can broaden the horizons. You're not stuck with the 20 people that can, you know, to your point, can afford to go to this university or live in the city. They can be anywhere in the world. And so you're getting this diverse kind of interaction. So you're actually expanding their horizons rather than narrowing them. And so I think, you know, that to me is the most potent um, element of online education and, and AI is just, is just this, this breaking down of physical barriers. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate that. I'm going to move on to a prediction from Anne because we've got about four and a half minutes left and I want to, want to do this. Thank you very much. Very well put those points. Okay. Anne, prediction number one. She says generative AI use will be considered less of a mechanism of cheating that is used secretively and become more acceptable through transparency. And I'm going to stop there and let you finish the thought. Take two minutes, please. Go ahead. And certainly. So um, I can you hear me? We can now. Your, can your, you hear your me? video is a okay. little choppy. Yes, we can hear you. Go ahead. 
So, um, so I, I got on this AI journey because um, three of my um, students this past uh, this past spring semester um, were flagged for detecting um, AI in their writing, and so uh, because the technology is so new, I reached out to them. Um, you know, with copy paste plagiarism, I just go ahead and and do what I normally do. But for this, this was such a new technology, I felt like I needed to talk to them. Two of the three admitted to using a AI, um, which I had specifically indicated in the syllabus that was not was a no-no. Um, because at the time I didn't have the the background that I needed. So um so I think one of the things is is that students are using these secretly because this was just pushed out last fall with no guardrails or guidelines uh, to it and um, and participants and students won't wait around until we catch up and so that's what really just kind of um, you know they, they were just really left to their own devices and they used it in the lowest form of utility as opposed to its highest so I think learning and development practitioners and educators of all stripes can help to raise the bar, which includes that transparency. So the first goal would be is to talk about the issue of AI integrity, put that out there on the table, including some ground rules and you know some deep discussions around the ethics around its misuse. Um, and then secondly, my goal would be to foster responsible use um, by making sure that we have exercises and assignments and so on that really replicate how it could practically be used in the workplace. Um, you know, employers right now want to know what have you done constructively with AI um, thus far? And if, you know, pushing off a paper that AI wrote um, is not really constructive. So I think it's up to us to help them be able to use it, um, cite the, the platforms that they use, and, um, and really understand that they are collaborating with it. They're using it as a jumping off point rather than the end product. Thank you very much. And that brings up something. We're, we're just about out of time, but I did a show recently on the future of human novelists versus AI novelists. And the question of copyrights came in. And I believe, through, according to copyright law, it has to be a human being who gets the copyright. So the question is, AI will know when you've taken something that was generated from a chat GPT or GPT-4, something else, another platform, it will know when you've used that exact phrase in your book. If it's a digital book, it will find out. So the question is, will the AI, which is created originally by somebody who wrote the algorithm, right? Will they give the rights to the human who used the AI-generated text in the book? Is a whole convolution there of who gets the credit. I want to thank the four of you. I wish we had more time. Would you like to come back and do a part two in the fall? Anybody? Can Absolutely. I twist? Can I twist Absolutely. your? I, I, I'm, I'm having to twist your hands, really. Oh, twist. All right, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, let, this is this is important because of. And I have a quick it's something to tell you. I've got two minutes, and we have a quick thing we're going to do together. I taught um, online. What I teach uh, for Great Neck Long Island Adult Ed. I taught eBay selling on eBay, and I taught to people who came. It was a computer lab with six PCs. And uh, it was very interesting. It was in front of the class, and I had a class that was uh, three hours, and it was from 7 to 10 at night. A lot of the people who took it were doctors, lawyers, architects, uh, people who used to be called housewives, uh, household engineers, we call them. And they wanted to sell this and that and that. And then people would start to fade around 9 or 10. They were tired. They'd been working all day. So I had a trick. Murray, I'm going to pick on you. Forgive, please forgive me. I'd say, well, it, Mary wants to sell this Louis Vuitton handbag that's only been used twice. And, you know, 
Murray is looking for that exact handbag for his wife. So I'd say, Murray, what are you willing to bid on that handbag? Because we know your wife will be forever grateful that you got it and you got it at a discount. And Mary only wore it once and nobody saw her wear it. So, Mur and so Murray's sound asleep in the back and all of a sudden he hears his name and he comes, oh yeah, yeah, let me tell you what I would pay for it. And I got, that's how I got my class to be very interactive by making up stories around the process of selling. We'll leave that one alone. Thank you all very much. Let's do the closing here. I want you all to practice shaking your finger, your no-no finger, the nice one, but the no-no. Mary, Murray and Anne, shake your finger. Come on. And Julie, yeah, okay. So people say the future is already here. And on the count of three, you're going to join me in saying no, no, no. Our answer to that is one, two, three. No, no, no. 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 That's because that was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet. Well, it just did two seconds ago, but we have a new future ahead of us. The future is going to be a good one if we all have anything to say about it, to work on it, to do it together, to collaborate, and to learn what to do. I want to thank again my four very special panelists, Mary Nunley, Murray Johansson, Julie Ryan, and Dr. Ann H. Clouet. Thank you very much. And I want to thank my engineer, Andrew, at Voice America. Thank you to Voice America Business. And thank you to LinkedIn and Facebook. Everybody wave goodbye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh